Today on this episode of Going Deeper, we get into the book of Exodus. We are going to talk about the life of Moses. We're going to talk about the conundrum of the plagues and hardening of Pharaoh's heart. I'm your host, Kyle McCaskill. I'm Becky Clark. I'm Doug DeGraffenreid. So join us as we go deeper. Right, so Exodus 1. Becky, I know you've got some questions lined up for the Reverend Doug. I do. But the questions don't start until Exodus 3, so she's got to explain Exodus 1 and 2. <laughs> nope. No, no, that's not true. Is that not how <laughs> this works? That's not true. Okay. That's not true. So let's go ahead and, Becky, what's what's on your mind? Okay, well, I don't I don't have too much from chapter 1 and 2, although I would like to say I did not realize that Moses is from the Levitical line, that mm-hmm. he had Levite parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, to me, that's just an interesting fact that I didn't know about. Um, I don't know that it changes anything about Moses. Oh, your great Old Testament hero is going to have a cool background, kind of like Jesus. He's got a cool background mm-hmm. when you start looking into yeah. all the people in his He's lineage. He's got the coolest background. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I wonder about in regard to Moses, before we get to the call narrative of Moses, though, is um, you know when he is found by Pharaoh's daughter, mm-hmm. and um, he grows up in Pharaoh's palace, but he grows up with his mom, who is a Hebrew, so he's a Hebrew. He grows up in the Egyptian palace, probably enjoys all of the Egyptian things. Mm-hmm. I would assume so. Until one day when he sees this encounter between an Egyptian sure. guard and a Hebrew man, and for some, probably he'd seen it multiple times mm-hmm. before, but at this point, there seems to be just some kind of shift within him, and he becomes angry. I guess the question for me, which we can never will answer, is why at that point? Mm-hmm. Why not earlier? I mean, he, he knew he was a Hebrew. Was he just enjoying all the luxuries of the Egyptian lifestyle until right. that point? Does God do something and shift something within him so that the the story and and everything that God had planned can move forward? Well, later on, we're going to have a discussion about hardening Pharaoh's heart. Could it be that God softened Moses' heart at this point? Could this also be an indication that Moses is growing up or maturing? Mm-hmm. You know, injustice, when we're younger, we don't think so much about it because we're we're so busy with our thing. But you become more and more aware of when other people are being treated mm-hmm. ill. And you can say that... Um, his empathy for a fellow Hebrew um, rises up, and and he has, I want to call it righteous indignation that it's sure. going on. But he he does kill a, another human being. Mm-hmm. So um, kind he's of maturing. He's growing. He's understanding. He's understanding the concept of slavery from the Hebrew perspective, not from the Egyptian perspective. Mm-hmm. He's seeing the mm-hmm. the. Um, inhumane treatment uh, that human beings can inflict on another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then there's this interesting kind of contradiction of he 
kills this Egyptian guard to save the Hebrews, and then the Hebrews are the ones that kind of heckle him about it afterwards, which is, is it because they see him as an Egyptian and not as a fellow Hebrew? Mm -hmm. And, but there's this, I mean, he's, you say he's making this adjustment, but the Hebrew people don't seem to be making an adjustment. Is it against him? Is it just against their feelings in general? Or I wonder if he, the the other Hebrews maybe weren't jealous that somehow Moses, up to this point, has seemed to live this charmed life. I mean, by all rights, he should have been killed, mm-hmm. but then was spared out of the the whatever courage, if you want to call it, of his mother and was it sister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the compassion of the Egyptian princess mm-hmm. and and all these other Hebrews, because I, I believe, doesn't it say that the the Hebrews that are confronting him about it or talking about him killing, are they going to kill him, them too? Right, them too. yeah, right. Uh, you, you, you wonder, and um, it's sort of a question that somebody needs to ask when we get there. Yeah. Um, how much did the Hebrews know about who Moses was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at this time? Do they know he's a Hebrew? Do they have they heard rumors of it? Is there a um, sort of a, a Hebrew urge, urban legend about the true identity of Moses? And then if uh, if Moses is one of them, he's uh, what appears to them he's lashed out in rage and anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they could be wondering from a purely selfish standpoint, well, what good is it going to do us that that guy is so close to Pharaoh if he's got this chip on his shoulder, if he's mm. got a bad attitude? Mm-hmm. Can we trust him? This this notion of can we trust Moses mm-hmm. pops up through the plagues. It pops up again through the, the wandering in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. There's always the Hebrew we're not sure who you are or what you're about or why we're following you. Mm. And um, again, these details are woven in there to, um, um, I think, build the story to a climax and, mm-hmm. and to develop. Um, Moses is a full-fledged human being because if you look at Moses's life, it's divided into three phases, basically. From birth to 40, he's in Pharaoh's household. He's got it all. Mm-hmm. From 40 to 80, he's... Running, uh, kind of. Yeah, yeah. fleeing mm-hmm. his history. Mm-hmm. And then God calls him the burning bush when he's 80 years old. Mm-hmm. So, watch this. Okay, all you folks out there in, in, in Trinity land, just because you're 79 doesn't mean that God cannot still call you. Yes, you still have work to do. Yeah. So, that's my free commercial. There you go. There is no retirement plan in the kingdom of God. <laughs> so, that, okay, so then there brings a good question of why you know if if god's plan was always to use moses and mm-hmm. has put him in the position that he's put him in to some degree i mean some of that was moses decision as well but mm-hmm. why does he wait till moses is in his early 80s before he calls him and because part of that would be what you just said about the Hebrew people are always going to have kind of an issue with Moses, the struggle with following him. But they're going to have a struggle with following God in general. And Moses is just that representative, mm-hmm. largely, of God. Um, but why does he wait till so 
much later in Moses's life to have this call? What's what's the guess of why? God's preparing him to lead the people. I mean, what does Moses do? He goes to work for his father-in-law, Jethro. Mm -hmm. Jethro becomes an important character later on in the Exodus story. Mm -hmm. You know, Moses, you can't keep doing this. Let me help you organize. Moses is also learning the role of a shepherd. Mm-hmm. He's he's learning the frustration of trying to lead and guide and protect and care for sheep. Mm-hmm. And he's about to get six million of them. So <laughs> you can look at this delay and you can talk about Moses' patience in the midst of the delay. But what you come back to is God is preparing Moses uh, for this great act of standing toe-to-toe with Pharaoh and, and leading the children of Israel um, nearly to the promised land. So it's a time of preparation. It's like folks you and I both know who they get the call of God early, but they fight it and fight it and fight it. And finally Mm -hmm. they surrender and um, prepare themselves for ministry. And the way they usually narrate the story is what I thought was me delaying this call to ministry is actually God preparing me to Mm -hmm. fulfill the call to ministry. So, Mm -hmm. um, if we see that God sometimes delays the answer to our prayers to get us ready to have him answer a prayer, mm-hmm. um, we respond to these times of patient or patience or times of delay a little different. God's getting Moses ready to be the great hero of the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. It, does it make it more incredible, I guess? I mean, for him... I oftentimes like to look at stuff like this from a much larger than just the moment kind of perspective. And surely God being outside of space time can can know that as we read this in modern America and see a dude that's 80 get called and we're like, okay, only God can make that happen. And mm-hmm. and it's it's only the power of God that can make Moses successful. In this mission that God has given him, you get the visual of what you're saying. Okay, y'all, get on your wherever you get it and mm-hmm. go watch Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments and how you, Yul Brenner plays Pharaoh mm-hmm. and Charlton Heston dresses up very old to play Moses. Yeah, and, and you get this. This contradiction or this contrast there's really in our culture that um, we've got strong, virile Pharaoh and we've got the old dude Moses. Now, who's going to win this? Mm-hmm. Well, strong Pharaoh's going to win this. Right. And um, Pharaoh gets confounded both by God and by Moses. And we see that youth and strength... Um, sometimes is not penultimate it's Mm -hmm. sometimes there's a greater and a deeper power and the other thing i think you have this moses being an old man by the time he goes back to egypt is um this is not going to be a wwe wrestling match between moses and pharaoh (laughs) moses is almost helpless without God's strength and without mm-hmm. God's presence. So this yeah. lifts up not only Moses as a great leader, but how Moses was willing to let God lead him and use mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. So, Because he complains often. Uh, 
early in when he gets called of like, oh, I can't do it for this, 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 this. And Mm -hmm. there's so many scriptures, uh, so many people have done sermons on, you know, the excuses that you give. But if God is calling you, there's that equipping portion and not even that, but uh, he even brings someone alongside to do ministry with him, which is Aaron. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, but we need to really jump into some some real oh, meat here because oh. you brought it up already, All and right. this is going to be the large portion of think of what we talk about because I think is a one of the hardest things for people to struggle with in regard to maybe the Old Testament in general, but very mm-hmm. specifically in Exodus. And okay. you talked about how um, God will confound uh, Pharaoh, and so we went and looked up the scripture. In chapter four, which is the first time you know, God is talking to Moses about what's going to happen and what Moses needs to go do, and he mentions that in four, chapter four, verse 21, and the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders that I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. So let's talk about this hardening of heart situation and what that means, because it's a struggle. Okay. In the the story of Moses and and Pharaoh, there are the phrase hardening of the heart appears multiple times. Mm -hmm. There are three sources for the hardening of the heart. One source, it says... Um, in the, as you read the text, and God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. The text also says that Pharaoh hardened his own heart in 815, 832, and 934. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. In chapter 7, verse 13, verse 14, verse 22, chapter 8, verse 19, chapter 9, verse 7, and verse 35, it says Pharaoh's heart is hardened, but it's not explicit as to who hardened Pharaoh's heart. So internally, Scripture has sort of done what we want to do and go, I'm not sure what this means. Now, okay. as as we had our earlier discussion, y'all need to know that sometimes we discuss what we're going to discuss before we discuss it. <laughs> it's the pre-discussion discussion. <laughs> pre-discussion discussion. There are several things going on with the concept of God's hardening of Pharaoh's heart. First of all, heart in the Hebrew is not how we use heart. In American culture, heart is the Hallmark Channel. Mm-hmm. It's sweet, it's tender, it's love, it's snow, it's that kiss. Um, and we are thankful to God <laughs> we're in past the Hallmark Christmas movie season. In the Hebrew mind, the heart is the center of volition or the center of will. Mm-hmm. So when Scripture says that someone's heart was hardened, it is an idiomatic way of saying they became stubborn. They became even more stubborn than they always were. So you have a contrast with the plagues between the character and nature of God and the character and nature of Pharaoh. The Egyptians also believed that Pharaoh was a deity. Pharaoh is a god himself. So you have the god of the Hebrews versus the god 
Pharaoh? Who's going to win this fight? And as the text reveals itself, God is so powerful. God is so above this Pharaoh God that God has control even over the thoughts and the plans of Pharaoh. So when the text says that God hardens Pharaoh's heart, it's another way of saying God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. God is all-powerful. God is so powerful. He can, he can move Kyle's heart, Becky's heart, and Doug's heart, mm-hmm. even as stubborn as we are. Mm-hmm. So you've got that going on. Hey, microphone. <laughs> you've got that going on. Um, You've also got the the early Old Testament idea that God is the prime cause of everything, that God just does everything. The devil hadn't been introduced yet. He's there, but we're we're not going to get him till the book of Job. Um, And I was kidding about that, but that's really (laughs) true because Job appears later. Um, So when people of the Old Testament talk Whenever something happens, God called it, God God caused it, God allowed it, God did it. And they're pretty consistent in that. Um, And that goes back to the holiness of God, that God is completely different than anything we can Mm -hmm. dream or imagine. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, well, the scripture tells us God's ways are not our ways, and we want God to be a nice, rational, 21st century, North American Protestant. And God does not operate like that. The other thing is that God is operating on a, a big stage. This is a communal stage. This is a battle between nations. This is a cosmic battle. This mm-hmm. is a battle in the heavenly places right now. And so the notion of God hardening the heart takes us to another realm. This isn't... Um, this isn't some kind of, of, of divine manipulation. This is divine majesty. This is how important this battle is. And what it's going to mm-hmm. lead to is the Jewish story of salvation. Mm-hmm. You've got the same things going on in the New Testament with Jesus' story of salvation. And, and if there's a character that parallels Pharaoh, it's the character of Judas. Mm-hmm. Who caused Judas to do what Judas did? Judas. Judas. Well, that's how we would answer it. But right. the Old Testament, if they were writing, would say, ah, and God hardened Judas's heart. Yeah. So that Judas acted this way. So theology has developed our our our, our view of G Je- our view of God because we view God now backwards through the lens of Jesus mm-hmm. has changed some. Uh, the Hebrews had a outdoor pilgrim they were wanderers they were nomads they were tough i mean we're about to find out how tough when they go into and they start fighting the canaanites Mm -hmm. and the perizzites and the ishmaelites and the midianites these are tough ruthless warriors Mm -hmm. and moses is leading a band of tough ruthless Mm -hmm. warriors well can you do that and be tender I mean, Moses would not respond positively to softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Well, they're not, they're not 
tough and ruthless yet because they're oppressed slaves at this point. They walk so. out of Egypt with everything. They basically <laughs> yeah, but that's after, yeah, but that's after 10 plagues that really whipped the Egyptians down. It, it did. And they said, we're going to whip you anymore. We're taking all your stuff. Okay, I well, want it. But at the front end of this, there's, I mean, they're... They are slaves. slaves. They are slaves. Who have been slaves for so long and have barely anything and have been treated horribly they, by the beaten Egyptian. Down. Beaten down, yeah, yes. Beaten down. So they're cowering, essentially, mm-hmm. until the end of the plagues, where, yeah, I would assume that they've got a whole lot more stuff. Yeah, they're, they're feeling pretty good. They've got about, their vim and vigor. They're, they're feeling pretty good <laughs> about themselves and about their God. Uh, and so, well, yeah, you're not, I mean, think about the, the victory that they left. Egypt with their God had just whipped the fool out of the Egyptians. Yeah. And if they didn't believe that, God's about to whip them again at the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, the the Exodus, the Passover, and the Red Sea have to be sort of kept together. It's like us, crucifixion and resurrection. You got to keep them together right. to have yeah. the full story. So God shows his mighty power in both activities. And mm-hmm. it's a neat story. But uh, so read God Hardened His Heart as, as a, a nod to the sovereignty of God, as a nod to God's. God is so powerful, he can uh, make this Egyptian God, man-God, act in the way he wants for his glory Mm -hmm. and for his people's good. See, we we can't lose track that God is answering the prayer of his people, and God will do anything to answer the prayer of his people Mm -hmm. to set them free. But it also seems like a very interesting way to answer the prayers of his people by, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. There's this idea of uh, showing the fact that he is sovereign over what the Egyptians would believe mm-hmm. is their own God. Um, but why couldn't it have ended there and the people leave at that point? Instead, there's these 10 plagues that follow after. And after every one of them or before every one of them there's this hardening of heart again so we've got to have another plague and mm-hmm. then there's this like yes but I'm not going to release the people we've got to have another plague when, and yes the Egyptians suffer mightily but the Israelites had to suffer to some degree as well. I mean, he, it says that there's lots of protection. You go into your home and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but they are suffering through these plagues as well. Why, why have to go through all of these steps? If you have declared that you are sovereign over this Pharaoh, if you have, you have shown what you can do and that you can control who is considered to be the most mighty in the land – why take all these other steps? What happened when they got out in the wilderness? Hmm. Well, they complained. They complained. <laughs> they wanted to go back. <laughs> because and, and what does Moses do to remind them? You remember the mighty hand of God when he came against the Egyptians and he did kaplunk, 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 mm-hmm. ten things. And the piling on is a... Boy, it's a powerful teaching tool, mm-hmm. you know, and we did have an earlier construction. So, y'all, when you're reading the Ten Plagues, you got to have the book of Genesis open, too, and you need to read creation and need to read the plagues over against creation and, and see how 
God is kind of deconstructing Egypt. Okay, mm-hmm. so you think that that is a, he's, that's he's bringing. A, what I, he's I doing. think that that could be legitimate. God okay. is just bringing the Egyptians low. Okay. I mean, he he's stripping them of every form of dignity or every form of mm-hmm. of trust they have because at the end he wants the Egyptians to believe in him too. Yeah. Ooh. You know he he. Mm-hmm. We don't think about that. No, this right. is, we don't talk about that yeah. at all. I mean, we, we want the Egyptians to suffer. Yeah, so that they, they did are wrong. Released, mm-hmm. But that doesn't get said very often. But even the Egyptians, the ones that have the sign on their doorpost, are passed over. Mm-hmm. And you've got to wonder how many of the Hebrews had Egyptian friends that said, look, our God, who's been doing these mighty things, is about to do this thing. Here's what you need to do. And mm-hmm. we know that some of that went on because there are some Egyptians that obviously go out with the Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, there's some of that playing into this too, but it, it's it is piling on. It is sort of a, a reversal of Genesis one and two of deconstructing the whole culture. It is showing the awesome, undoubtable unquestionable power of God over everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything. And we're introduced to one of our favorite things God does, boils. <laughs> you know, it's like... I don't, it's not, I don't think that's my favorite. We don't like boils, but, but as teenagers, we all knew about this. It's like, okay, God did this to the Egyptians. He'll do it to the Philistines later on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... Um, there were no dermatologists in the Old Testament. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. <laughs> serious. Okay, so the other thing that we had talked about a little bit before had touched on was as when you read through the plagues, and they happen quite quickly mm-hmm. in the story, you in know, one story. right after another, and there's this, um, there's a plague that happens, and I think uh, either Moses goes to Pharaoh before the plague happens, and then probably again after, there's this kind of um, formula that happens, mm-hmm. but it reads... Like they're happening one right on top of mm-hmm. the other. Mm-hmm. We've got the the water and the blood, which is number one. And then like on day two, there's the frogs. And then on day three, there's the gnats. There's a lot going on in 10 days. Yeah. But, it's, but you made the comment that, well, why do we assume it's just 10 days right after mm-hmm. one right after another? Well, I don't know that I've ever thought about it in any other way mm-hmm. because of the way it's written. Well, the other thing is, and you brought this up in our pre-discussion discussion, was um, God kills animals twice. Yeah. Where did that second group of animals That's come right. from? Are we talking about a Bible contradiction here? A, contradic- <laughs> a contradiction or a span of time past for the next generation of animals to be raised up and... and but you he know. killed them all. He killed them all he the first time. He killed them all in the disease. There shouldn't be any more to raise up. Well, they're, they, they they're back again. They should have been dead. They're back again, and the Egyptians went to the Midianites and, and the Elamites, and they bought some they bought more. Some, that makes sense. And, and, and you can do that, but I am not sure, because we are obviously recording these in December, and most of us read this back, what, in October? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... 
So I'm thinking internally, is there any time frame of these plagues? And my memory of reading this is there is no internal textual evidence that tells you the plagues against Egypt lasted however long however long yeah now if y'all find some and reading it call us let us know and and we will we will make you famous because we're about to have a next week would be one of the Q&A's wouldn't it I believe so yeah fifth week next week is a QA. and a good point next week is a QA. and a Okay, so then along with, I just have so many questions about the plagues, I guess. Mm -hmm. Maybe lots of people have questions about the plagues. Maybe it's just me. Uh, (laughs) Maybe we should talk about the plagues next week and answer all the questions Uh, that other people have. Here they come. I just, okay, so I get decreation, but they're just so interesting. We've got frogs and then gnats and then flies and then the livestock and then the boils and then the thunder and the hail and the locusts. Why would you have locusts? I don't understand the locusts. Because they eat. And why the gnats and the flies? Why is there, I mean. Well, if you've got, okay. the one, the first I one is plagues. okay. You would have picked different plagues. <laughs> I don't know what they would have been, but I would have picked them different. You would have picked uh-huh. love bugs. We would have. Had, oh, we're from Louisiana. Yeah. We'd had love, love bugs. bugs. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be horrible. There is some Crickets. some biological order to this that um, if you have uh, the Nile turned red and and there are all kinds of explanations for that and you've had a fish kill you've had creatures coming out of the nile who for a while survive and then die then you've got flies and maggots and gnats so i'm sure there's a biologist here who's listening to us going i know why they're in the order they're in Mm -hmm. um and i've read those books too and it's fascinating Mm -hmm. um it just Sometimes trying to scientifically figure it out rather than draw us deeper into the story puts the story where we can control it. If we can control the story and we can biologically figure out it happened this way, this way, this way, this way, this way, then what have we done? We have diminished the role of God in the mm-hmm. story. And that's that's why we like to come to Scripture and do these things because it, we want a rational God that doesn't do miracles and doesn't do things that are outside the laws of nature. Mm-hmm. And faith says, wait a minute, he did one thing way outside the law of nature. It's called resurrection. Mm-hmm. And your faith centers on something that is so miraculous. It cannot be described. It just has to be experienced and believed. Mm-hmm. So the Bible is always calling us. It doesn't say suspend your logic. It doesn't say that science is bad. It doesn't say any of those things. It ultimately calls us all to answer a faith question. Do we believe? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but but those are interesting studies, and if somebody's got some of those, send them in. We will give you kudos, and we may post it. (laughs) So, along with the plagues, because there's 10, Mm -hmm. is there a significance to this number 10? I mean, later on, obviously, we have the Ten Commandments. Is there a... Do you think kind of a looking forward to that as 10 become a significant number? There were seven days of creation, but we have 10 decreation. Well, and then suddenly you've got 12 tribes, so you've got all kinds of numbers going on. So, um, so no. <laughs> uh, 
10 in the Hebrew Bible sort of carries the notion with it's complete, it's done. God is, this is all God's going to do. And the Ten Commandments, it's complete. Mm -hmm. God's given us all he needs to say for our benefit Mm -hmm. and for expressing our faith and love with him. So there is a note of God had the perfect number of plagues. He he. He did what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's there, yeah. It's not major part of the story, but it is there. And the power that he ends with the Passover, the mm-hmm. the death of the firstborn of the Egyptians, which mm-hmm. is you know when we open Exodus, it's the death of the firstborn Hebrew sons, mm-hmm. and so now we have the death of the mm-hmm. firstborn Egyptian sons, but it's taken even farther, God takes it even farther, it's not just the death of the uh, the Egyptian sons, it's the death of the firstborn of everything, mm-hmm. you know, of all of the animals and all that kind of stuff of the Egyptians. Um, why, why do you think he goes that far? Is it because he's he's painting that picture of Christ. So you could argue that look how powerful death is and then look how powerful the blood is on mm-hmm. the the doorpost. Mm-hmm. And you have this um this is really we read it to the dark side. Mm-hmm. But it's really a story of God's love and protection mm-hmm. over the power of death and over the powers of darkness. You also have this death of the firstborn popping up in the story of Jesus mm-hmm. with Herod and his yes. slaughter of the innocents in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. You have some of the similar things going on. So I'm give you another hint for your reading. There are always parallels between Moses and Jesus. And according to the book of Hebrews, uh, Moses was a great leader and a great man of God, but Jesus was better. You can re- see our Hebrew study on our website if you'd like more on that. That's, that is correct. If you want more information on the book of Hebrews, trinityreston.org. There you go. Good plug, Doug. Good well, I was, plug. I set you up. We need to practice that. <laughs> well, that's why I... I uh, the, the Passover, to me, the, mm-hmm. the death of the firstborn, I mean, yes, there's lots of death, but uh, I obviously read it with a lens of Christ. The lens um, of Christ. And, and then the, the whole we, Passover meal. But we have meal. the plus of that yeah. because we, are, we sit on this side of Christ. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah. the, the Hebrews at the time do not have mm-hmm. that. They're just watching. They had experienced death of the firstborn mm-hmm. by the Egyptians' hands, and now mm-hmm. God is kind of maybe in some ways for them is bringing redemption by the death of the firstborn of the Egyptian by his hand, you know, and, uh, and, and at the same time bringing them freedom because once that's done, he releases, they get released from Egypt and they run. Have you ever been to a Jewish Seder at a Jewish Jewish family doing a seder. No, we brought in a, a two rabbis one year. We did. They were messianic they, rabbis. They kind of so. did a. I mean, it was somewhat Jewish, somewhat. Yeah. They kind of brought a little Protestant brought, flair brought for a Protestant. us. They were mm-hmm. they were generous with us. Yeah. But no, I've never. I a want Jewish to. seder is a celebration. It mm-hmm. is. Um, it is in Southern culture. Thanksgiving meets the Fourth of July. 
and the food is great the conversation is great the wine flows because there are liturgically at least mm-hmm. three drinkings and sometimes four drinkings of wine it's drink your whole cup drink your whole cup yep. it's to celebrate life yep. and mm-hmm. and god's god's victory over the egyptians and and we christians have adapted it and mm-hmm. we tell the story of jesus who when the supper was done took the cup and took the bread and instituted the the Lord's Supper. And we Methodist, how did we used to say it? It's our meet, meet right and our bounden duty. And one of the things I want us to recapture is the celebratory note mm-hmm. of that sacrament that, that we're celebrating God's victory over the Egyptians. We're celebrating Jesus' victory over death. And we're celebrating our victory with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so you've got this great party going on. And so while the Egyptians are mourning and weeping and wailing, the mm-hmm. Hebrews are celebrating mm-hmm. um, because their God is protecting them. And along with that, this vision of them um, kind of waiting in haste, you know, Scripture tells us, um, God says, like, you make the unleavened bread, and you're ready to go at any point. It even make, kind of makes the point of, like, your tunic mm-hmm. is, like, tucked into your belt, ready yeah. to go. There's this um, anticipation part of the Passover as well that mm-hmm. I don't – I think when we take communion, we miss that, as well, mm-hmm. this um, anticipation thing that God is doing something and He's doing something um, for His glory, He's doing something for His people. We don't see that in communion anymore. There's no. there's not a anticipation. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, we move to a space too often where communion is just a rote thing. It's what we do once a month, and we well now we do it with the juice cups, but with the bread and the you know we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> we'll get we're gonna, back we're gonna we're we'll gonna get, get back, back to the the, good, the, the way common bread and yes, stuff the good common bread and yeah you're right and i don't know as a pastor how you recreate that sense of celebration that sense of anticipation that sense of fast movement mm-hmm. it's almost like you're at the door of a general admission rock concert that you've always wanted to go to, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they've just thrown the doors open. Yeah, mm-hmm. been there, done that. And you, you yeah, that's the good old days. Man, that's it, exciting, yeah. yeah. Pre-COVID, they won't they won't let you in like that anymore. <laughs> but but there's a, this energy, this this commonality. We're all doing this together, mm-hmm. and it, it's. You know, it's it's like where Jesus is going to meet us in the arena, and it's mm-hmm. going to be a it's going to be the best TED talk you've ever had because it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the best concert you ever had because we do know New Testament says Jesus sings, and I imagine he sings really great. So uh, you're right; we've kind of lost this the celebratory, the anticipation, the the um, just the grace that is in that meal. And we'll figure out how to get mm-hmm. it back. And I think the first time we in the church can do it again safely and comfortably with the common cup and the common loaf, there's going to be a lot of positive energy around that. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I admit, probably of all the things I've missed during COVID, it's, you know, handing you the body of Christ and. Mm-hmm. 
because those are such holy moments participating with someone receiving communion and mm-hmm. because everybody's been masked I can't see any reaction to it so mm-hmm. it's been it's been real different mm-hmm. I want I want the I want communion back mm-hmm. and <clears throat> all these other things mm-hmm. well I think what I take away from our conversation here today one of the main things that I've gathered is as we approach scripture we don't need to try to figure it all out we don't need to try to explain it all away mm-hmm. we need to allow as we're reading these passages we need to allow God to be God mm-hmm. and we need to allow God to be miraculous and to have majesty and sovereignty over everything, even the world that he created, even the laws of physics that he created. Well, there's hard things within Scripture, even as we were talking about Pharaoh, and and I get the I get what you're saying of the sovereignty. It still is hard to kind of wrap your brain around the fact that. God made those choices. That's the choice he made to harden his heart and to, and the people die. I mean, even the Egyptians, all these Egyptians die. And so we talk about there being joy in God's redemption and his um, creating freedom and all that kind of stuff, but people die. But we dealt with those same issues when we talked about mm-hmm. Joshua, that we're talking about a God who is so much bigger than us. And there are some things that God does that they are hard for us to comprehend, but the goodness of God is always much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. The, the purpose of God, the the bigger vision that God has. And so you just kind of have to reconcile the fact that God makes choices that are hard for us and that's okay. And it's okay to struggle with those things we are um, days away from from christmas this will really confuse them when yes. these things <laughs> get filmed yeah we're days away from christmas where we celebrate god came to bethlehem in in jesus and as you were talking i was thinking yeah god with all this death chose to die for us mm-hmm. and and it was his choice, and he did it out of love, and he did it so we could understand the depth of his love for us. And what we have in these early stories in, in the Pentateuch and Joshua and Judges is the um, the early form of those stories. And as you know from being there, that whole culture is a little bit rougher mm-hmm. than our culture. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit edgier than our culture. We don't have a lot of people in North America who have machine guns strapped to them, their <laughs> shoulders, right. directing traffic. Um, so you, you've got that sort of difference in, in some of these hard stories. The other mm-hmm. thing Kyle alluded to is... Scripture speaks to us all differently. There'll be a biologist or a scientist that will come and say, okay, Doug, scientifically, these are exactly how these plagues happen. And Mm -hmm. Scripture speaks to them, Mm -hmm. and it stirs them differently than it stirs me. Mm -hmm. Um, So God's Word is God's Word, and it's powerful, and 
it doesn't return void Mm -hmm. it does what it sets out to accomplish and that's to change and transform our hearts and our lives Mm -hmm. very good well we've come to the end of this week's episode uh, and if next week's podcast will be a, a Q&A questions next, that the congregation has submitted that is right yeah. so get your questions loaded up out there get your questions loaded up I'm going to come up with uh, an email for you I'll post that in the description to email those questions to and go ahead and subscribe give us a like make sure you comment on this one because there are a lot of difficult topics that we have covered and we want to know your thoughts and your responses and how you think we got it right how you think we got it wrong so let us know and recommend this podcast to everyone you see and everyone you talk to so that they can along with you and us continue to go deeper we'll see y'all next week